Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Oracle Network. Welcome to Active Shooter, a podcast that covers the whys, the hows, and the aftermath of active shooter and mass casualty events. They have an active shooter in the building. A second call says they uh, are being attacked. I'm in shot. One six nine ten means we got shots fired. Four fifteen a at the route to ninety one. Sounded like an automatic firearm. Active shooter, reports of an active shooter, active shooter, active shooter of mass casualty incidents. Thank you for listening. You are listening to Active Shooter, a podcast that may contain adult themes, explicit language, and graphic depictions of violence. Portions of this show may be traumatic for those under 18. Listener discretion is advised. Several people have been shot at a grocery store in Tucson, Arizona, and a spokesman for the Pima County Sheriff's Department says that among the victims, or included in the victims, are at least 12 people. They describe them as injured. They do not use the word wounded. The shooting reportedly took place around 10 a.m. local time. That would have been noon Eastern time. And now we have heard from the Tucson Citizens newspaper that among those who may have been wounded was Congresswoman Gabrielle Gifford, who is a Democrat with the House of Representatives. The reason this is noted is she had an event taking place at this grocery store, which is a Safeway in Tucson, Arizona. It was described as a congressperson on your corner kind of gathering. These are often held by people in Congress where they go back to meet with their constituents. While we try and keep politics out of our episodes of Active Shooter, this episode will be a little different as the intended victim was a U.S. representative named Gabrielle D. Giffords, who went by Gabby. Gabby had started many different events, called Congress on Your Corner, which was a community event that she started so members of the different towns and cities could come and meet and ask her questions. The attack that took place on January 8, 2011, was a Congress on Your Corner event that was taking place at a Safeway supermarket in Tucson, Arizona.
Active Shooter, the podcast, is a High Five Holly production, and I'm your host, JT. If you've listened to our prior episodes, you know that the Active Shooter podcast team has taken the No Notoriety Pledge, and we will not be sharing the real name of the shooters that we cover. We will be giving the shooters a pseudonym and refer to them by that name throughout the episode. This will help in clearing up any confusion in the story while remaining true to our pledge and not naming the shooter by their actual name. In today's episode, we will be referring to the shooter as Tom. In August of 2007, Tom had attended a Congress on Your Corner event at Foothills Mall in Tucson, Arizona. He had submitted a question to Congresswoman Giffords, asking, what is government if words have no meaning? The question he asked her was, what is government if words have no meaning? And uh, she read it, and obviously, you know, that's kind of a very convoluted question. Records differ as to what her response was exactly. Some say she didn't answer at all, while others say she gave a very general, nonspecific answer. Whatever her response was to the question, Tom didn't approve of her answer. He immediately became irate, thinking that Miss Giffords had snubbed him. From that day on, he had an axe to grind with a congresswoman, and would tell others how he felt she was unintelligent. When Tom heard that Gabby Giffords was going to be coming back to Tucson for another Congress on Your Corner event, he made sure that he would be there for it. In the early morning hours of January 8, 2011, Tom had checked into a Motel 6 in Tucson for just a few short hours. At 4.12 a.m., he shared a post on his MySpace page that had the title of, Goodbye, Friends. Hey, it's, it's So, I just want to tell you a good time. Peace out. Later. Between 7.30 and 9.30 a.m., he returned to his family home. He had been carrying a black backpack, and his father said that he couldn't put his finger on it, but something seemed off with his son that morning. When his dad asked Tom what was going on, Tom immediately fled down the sidewalk to the nearby Circle K gas station. Once at the gas station, he called for a cab to take him to the Safeway grocery store, located at 7170 North Oracle Road. At 9.41 a.m., the cab driver picks him up, and at 9.54 a.m., the driver drops him off at the Safeway. Tom told the cab driver that he needed to go into the store to get change, so he could pay the driver. He gives the driver his cab fare, and Tom stays inside the store for about 10 minutes. At 10.10 a.m., Tom exits the store and asks a bystander where the congresswoman is. As the person points towards Gabby Giffords, Tom opens fire. At 10.11 a.m., the first 911 call came through dispatch. Gabrielle Giffords was hit. Um, she's hit. I believe she's breathing. There's multiple people shot. Okay. Oh my God. Like I said, he shot. Okay. You okay, sir? We got help coming. My husband just called me and told me he was shot. He went to the Gabrielle
whatever they were doing today, and I don't know where he is. Your husband was shot. That's what he said. He just called okay. and then the phone went dead. Tom emptied a 30-round magazine in no time, and when he stopped to reload his weapon, two or three civilians had tackled him to the ground, holding him down until the first deputy arrived at 10.15 a.m. When we pushed her, he just went right to the ground. There was no struggle or no fight. I had to do something. I just couldn't sit there and let this guy go by. He was pulling a magazine out of his pants pocket with his left hand, and I was able to grab the magazine. Just four short minutes later, at 10.19 a.m., the medics begin to arrive. Gabby Giffords had been shot in the head, and first reports came through that she had been killed. A short time later, the media withdrew that statement and said she had been critically injured. Within 38 minutes of arriving at the University Medical Center, she was in emergency surgery. Part of her skull had to be removed to prevent brain swelling, and Gabby was put into a medically induced coma. The scene was chaos. Police were restraining people. Folks were running and screaming. Some were bleeding and didn't know if it was their blood or someone else's. As the police officers were putting Tom into the back of their patrol car, he only muttered four words. I plead the fifth. Six people died at the hand of Tom, and as stated earlier, Congresswoman Gabby Giffords was injured. The youngest victim was Christina Taylor Green. She was nine years old. Christina Taylor was born on one of the most tragic days in United States history, September 11, 2001. She'd even been in a book called Faces of Hope, Babies Born on 9-11. She had always had a love for politics and jumped at the chance to go to the Congress on Your Corner event with her neighbor. Her neighbor was shot four times but survived her injuries. Christina Taylor had attended Mesa Verde Elementary School and had just been elected to the school student council. She was looking forward to serving for her school. She was also very athletic and came from an athletic family. She was the granddaughter to former Major League Baseball player and manager for the Philadelphia Phillies, Dallas Green. Christina Taylor herself had enjoyed playing baseball and was the only girl on her baseball team. She played second base. Christina Taylor's strong-willed personality stayed with her as she fought to survive and was the only victim not to die at the scene. She passed away hours later, at the University Medical Center. Dorothy Morris, or Dot, to her friends and family, was born on December 26, 1934, and was 76 years old at the time of the attack. Dot was a retired executive secretary for the IRS. On May 11, 1956, Dot met her soulmate, George, at a high school dance at Reno High School. George was with Dot on the day of the shooting and was wounded in the attack. Before attending Reno High School, she went to St. Thomas Catholic Grade School and Bishop Minogue High School before transferring and graduating from Reno High School in 1952. After high school, Dot went to the University of Nevada, Reno, and graduated from Reno Business School. She was very devoted to her family and loved spoiling her three grandchildren. Dot and George enjoyed traveling the country in their motorhome, visiting different campgrounds, cooking, and dancing. Judge John Roll was the chief judge of the U.S. District Court for Arizona. He was born on February 8, 1947, 
making him 63 years old at the time of the attack. Judge Roll was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and would later attend the University of Virginia and University of Arizona College of Law. He began his career as court bailiff and became assistant city attorney of Tucson in 1973. Later in 1973, he became deputy prosecuting attorney in Pima County, Arizona, until 1980. In 1980, he began his service as Assistant United States Attorney and remained in that position for about seven years before serving as State Judge for four. He was then appointed to a federal judge seat. Judge Roll was instrumental in pushing for more judges to be placed on the bench as border violence had become more of an issue. Judge Roll and his wife, Maureen, had been married for 41 years and had three sons and five grandchildren. He was a devoted Roman Catholic and went to Mass daily. On January 8, 2011, Judge Roll was on his way home from church when he decided to stop and visit with Gabby. He never made it home. 79-year-old Phyllis Schneck was born on December 6, 1931 in Rutherford, New Jersey. She later moved to Tucson, Arizona and had two daughters and one son. Phyllis had seven grandchildren and one great-grandchild. She was known for her cooking especially her famous baked macaroni and cheese that was requested at every family get-together. Phyllis was also a very talented quilter. She spent her winters in Tucson to avoid the snow and the cold, and she'd go back to Rutherford, New Jersey in the summer to avoid the Tucson heat. While in Tucson, Phyllis was active at the Northminster Presbyterian Church, and while in Rutherford, she attended the Green Pond Bible Church. Any free time that Phyllis had was spent volunteering at the churches she attended. Dorwin Stoddard, who went by Dory, was 76 years old when he was taken from this earth. Dory was a born-again Christian who was active at the Mountain View Church of Christ. In 1953, he met and married his wife, Arlene, and together they had three boys. In 1995, Arlene tragically passed away. The next year, 1996, Dory reconnected with his love from sixth grade, Mavy. Dory enjoyed spending time in Pinedale, Arizona, and in Squim, Washington. On the day of the shooting, Dory had thrown himself on Mavy in an attempt to save her life. His attempt was successful, as Mavy was only wounded, and Dory would tragically lose his life. Dory was proud of the fact that he visited all 50 states and 28 countries. When he wasn't traveling, Dory enjoyed whitewater rafting, fishing, and hunting. Gabriel Zimmerman, who was also known as Gabe, was 30 years old and had been the community outreach director for Gabby Giffords. Gabe was taken from us much too soon. He was a Tucson native and graduated from University High School. After high school, he went to the University of California at Santa Cruz, where he received a bachelor's degree in sociology. He was a Tucson native and graduated from University High School. After high school, he went to the University of California at Santa Cruz, where he received a bachelor's degree in sociology. After graduating from the University of California at Santa Cruz, he went on to the Arizona State University and obtained a master's degree. At the time of his death, Gabe had been engaged to Kelly O'Brien, who was a nurse. The two had set a wedding date for 2012, a date that would never come. Gabe had always been very active. He especially enjoyed running and hiking. He volunteered with the Arizona Trail Association, 
and even ran across the Grand Canyon twice. Gabe was known for being very good at human relations and had always cared about helping people. The target of the attack, Gabby Giffords, was put into a medically induced coma on January 8, 2011, and on January 12, 2011, she opened her eyes for the first time since the attack. During the next several days, Gabby's main focus was on healing, and on January 21, 2011, she was released to the Memorial Hermann Medical Center, and a few days later started rehab at the Institution for Rehabilitation and Research. That same year, on August 1st, Gabby made her first public appearance on the House floor to a standing ovation from the rest of the Congress members. Her husband, Mark Kelly, who was a retired astronaut, wrote a memoir with Gabby called Gabby, A Story of Courage and Hope. She had lost 50% of her vision in both of her eyes and still has other issues as a result of the shooting. On January 22, 2012, Just over a year after the tragedy, Gabby announced she was resigning from her position to focus on her rehabilitation and recovery. Active shooter. Reports of an active shooter. Active shooter. Active shooter. Mass casualty incidents. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Active shooter. Reports of an active shooter. Active shooter. Active shooter. Mass casualty incidents. Tucson, Arizona is located in Pima County and is home to the University of Arizona. The university is the largest employer of the city. Tucson has a population of around 545,000 people and a total area of around 238 square miles. Tucson is known for its very hot summers and pretty mild winters. Sometimes in the summertime, daytime temperatures get to be over 100 degrees Fahrenheit. The month of July is known as monsoon season in Tucson, as they will see an influx of rainfall. Tucson is also home to the Davis-Monthan Air Force Base. Tourism is a major industry in Tucson and brings in about $2 billion per year. A major attraction to the town is the Tucson Gem and Mineral Show. The Tucson Gem Mineral Show actually started in the mid-50s, and it was at an elementary school. Back then, it was only smaller dealers. It wasn't until the 1970s that the show really grew, and it drew kind of um, an international presence. In Tucson, there's over 48 shows. There's dealers and buyers from all over the world. Tom was born on September 10, 1988, and was the only child born to his parents. It appeared that Tom had a relatively easy childhood. However, Past classmates of his said that he lived in a home of abuse and heavy drinking. They said he was just a weird kid, and that many people were uncomfortable around him. Up until, you know, he was about like 19 or 20, he was always, you know, pretty enthusiastic, pretty passionate. He was always quiet, but you could see that there was that passion in him, and he did care, he was, he was happy. He was always an observer. Don't want to classify him as anything, but trench coat kind of kid, you know? Long hair, skater. Heavy metal music. 
Tom's family did very few things as a family. Once in a while, they would go to car races, and one time, they went on a family vacation to the beach. This is somewhat dysfunctional family, and this individual has probably been trouble for some time. People that lived in the same neighborhood as Tom and his family said that for the most part, they were regular neighbors. But at one point, something changed. No one seemed to know one specific event that happened to cause change in their behavior. All of a sudden, the family never came outside, and his mother never seemed to leave the house. Once in a while, neighbors would see Tom inside the window looking and watching the other kids play, unable to join them. There was times when we would be out with other neighbor kids playing in the street and wouldn't be allowed out. He'd have to sit and watch us from the door or the window. Um, it just became very isolated. In the summer of 2005, Tom had his very first girlfriend. However, she broke up with him because of his obvious anger issues. Tom took the heartbreak very hard. He had a temper problem. He, he used to scare me sometimes, and that's kind of why the reason I left him, because he kind of made me feel uncomfortable at times. This was when his parents saw his behavior become even more erratic. He began drinking and doing drugs, as well as failing classes and isolating himself from friends. At the end of his junior year, Tom dropped out of the Mountain View High School and started taking classes at Aztec Middle College. I started seeing a heavy influence of just chaos and non just non-connective patterning in his in his um, poetry, just ranting or mixing of ideas. And I told him I was like, because I read it, and I, I just don't find I find nothing. It's like nothingness to me. And he was like, exactly, you know, that's where the meaning is. His irrational behavior continued. He would go online and make delusional and anti-government statements. He started taking classes at Pima Community College, but would be reported for extremely bizarre behavior, such as randomly laughing and speaking out of turn in class. It was on the very first day, within maybe half an hour at the very most, started disrupting the class. He started shouting that... This was all fraudulent. The teacher was trying to perpetrate a fraud. The material in the book was fraudulent. I sat by the door because I wanted to be able to get out of the room quickly if I had to. I was afraid he was going to come into the room with a gun and shoot us. He was also rude, disruptive, and argumentative. The school administrators were constantly calling his parents to discuss this behavior with them was not your normal student. He was just mentally unstable. I was not too surprised of who the killer was that committed this act. Tom had been arrested three different times for different misdemeanors. In May of 2006, Tom was taken to the hospital via ambulance because of alcohol poisoning. He was charged with a misdemeanor of minor in possession of alcohol. On September 10, 2007, he was riding in a friend's car when they were pulled over. Tom had drug paraphernalia in his pocket, and he was charged as such. The case would later be dismissed due to Tom completing a drug diversion program and going to counseling. On October 13, 2008, Tom was charged with misdemeanor vandalism when he was caught spraying graffiti on a stop sign. He completed another diversion program, and the charge was expunged from his record. As time went on, Tom's behavior just continued to get strange. He worked many jobs in restaurants and in retail positions, but his job never seemed to work out. At one time, he decided he was going to try and get to the military. 
He seemed to have cleaned up his act, stopped drinking, and stopped doing drugs. He even started working out to get more fit and prepared for the military. When it came to actually applying for the military, however, none of the branches would accept him due to him noting on his application that he was partaking in excessive marijuana. He was even let go as a volunteer dog walker at the local shelter due to his odd behavior. Tom always lived with his parents, and his dad considered him an outcast with no friends. On September 7, 2008, Tom bought a Heckler & Coke 12-gauge shotgun from a hunting and fishing store. In the fall of 2010, the Pima Community College had hit its threshold of tolerance when it came to Tom. Tom had posted a video on YouTube that was filmed at the college. In the video, he went on and on about how the small community college was a scam, and according to the United States Constitution, was illegal. The video was disturbing, to say the least. We are looking at students who have been tortured. This is Pima Community College, one of the biggest scams in America. Here's the best part, the bookstore. The bookstore, the bookstore, the bookstore. It is so illegal to sell this book under the Constitution. We are also censored by our freedom of speech. This is genocide in America. The college suspended Tom and said he could only return once he had a mental health clearance from a doctor. On October 4, 2010, Tom and his parents met with college administrators, and they all agreed that he would withdraw from the school. On November 30, 2010, Tom bought a Glock 19 semi-automatic 9mm pistol. He bought the gun at the same hunting and fishing store he had bought the shotgun at. While he was at the store, he wasn't satisfied with the employee that was assisting him and asked for a younger employee's assistance instead. In addition to the firearm, he also bought a 15-round magazine and a box of ammo. On December 24, 2010, he purchased a 6-inch bladed knife and holster. The voices in Tom's head became louder, and he started a new fascination with dreams. His parents had a good feeling that something was wrong with their son, but they couldn't convince him to get any mental health help. They would take away the keys to his vehicle at night so he couldn't drive without their permission and lock a rifle and Tom's shotgun in the trunk of the family vehicle. His mom and dad were not aware of the other firearm that he possessed. More and more people started feeling uncomfortable around Tom and his use of marijuana, cocaine, psilocybin mushrooms, and hallucinogenic salvia. Salvia is a herbal plant that is native to Mexico and it's a member of the sage family. The plant is a naturally occurring hallucinogen. Tom continued to talk about his disdain for the government and how the government was out to get him. But all the people around Tom just thought it was simply Tom being Tom and never reported his behavior to the authorities. No one who knew Tom ever saw this one final attack on the government coming. Tom was charged in federal court for attempted assassination of a member of Congress, murder of a federal employee, and attempting to murder a federal employee. A federal grand jury indicted him on 49 charges. He was initially found incompetent to stand trial. He refused to accept the fact that Gabby Giffords had survived and wasn't killed in the attack. While in custody, Tom would throw chairs and even spit on his defense attorney. He was on suicide watch constantly and had trouble sleeping. One time he was awake for 50 hours straight, and he had paced his cell for so long that his legs had swollen. He was kept isolated from other inmates and was only allowed out of his cell for one hour a day to exercise and shower. Tom was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia 
and was medicated by force and brought to competency. On June 26, 2011, Judge Larry Allen Burns had noted that Tom be forcibly medicated so that he could be brought to competency. His defense attorney, Judy Clark, appealed Judge Burns' decision, and on July 12, 2011, a three-judge panel ruled that he could refuse the medication for his schizophrenia because he had not been convicted of a crime yet. The order did state, however, that Tom could be forcibly given tranquilizers to protect the safety of the shooter, prison staff, and other inmates. A week after the ruling, the medications by force returned. On August 7, 2012, almost a year after the ruling regarding his medication, Tom was ruled competent and even expressed remorse for his crimes. In November of 2012, Tom pled guilty to 19 federal charges. He was sentenced to seven life sentences plus an additional 140 years. The death penalty was taken off the table due to Tom pleading guilty and not requesting a trial. In addition to him pleading guilty, the state of Arizona had agreed not to charge Tom with any additional charges. Since Tom was charged at the federal court level, the state level could have chosen to charge him. However, since he pled guilty, they decided not to pursue these charges. There was a lot of criticism towards the event for not having enough security for the gathering. A new bill was introduced to ban the carrying of firearms within 100 feet of certain federal officials. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Active Shooter, the podcast. Remember, if you see something, say something. There's no telling how many lives you may be saving. Active Shooter. Reports of an active shooter. Active shooter. Active shooter of mass casualty incidents. Make sure to check us out on social media. We have a discussion group on Facebook. Just search for Active Shooter, the podcast discussion group. You can also find us on Instagram at Active the Podcast and Twitter at Podcast Active. For just $1 a month, you can get access to ad-free episodes, early release episodes when available, and a shout-out on the show. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Active the Podcast. Thank you, and be safe.